Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 119. I was looking at the number when I was writing down my notes. I was like, 119 already? Like, it feels like just yesterday we were celebrating 100 episodes. Um, it's awesome, man. Like, that's that's cool. We are we're moving, and soon we'll be at like episode 200 and be doing another like exciting, awesome thing. Um, yeah, happy Friday, everybody. It's October 21st, 2022, and it's gonna be a great episode. I've been so excited about this. I've been so excited to get this guest back because we kind of had to cut off part one. So if you have not checked out Costin Woodhouse's first interview on here, or conversation or teaching or however you want to look at it, I put a link in the description uh, so you can check that out after this. If you're like, if this is your first time hearing this and you're like, whoa, I want more, I want more. Well, there is more. So you're welcome. And uh, this is our first we're, we're ending this week uh, with, with a bang, in my opinion. Um, this is our first five-day week, and uh, it's been amazing. And I know you guys have been loving all this, like, just every day, Elijah Fire. So, uh, yeah, next week is coming up all Elijah Fire as well. So it's going to be great. Uh, speaking of great, my guest today is great. He is, he is so great. Uh, and he and I just really connected on the last episode he was on. And I cannot wait. For today, it's such a great topic, you guys. Um, so, for those who don't know, my guest—he is a teacher of the prophetic. He's a th- uh, the teacher of prof- the prophetic theology, scriptural interpretation, and revival history. So, guys, let's give it up for my guest today, Costin Woodhouse. Hey, hey, it's good to be back. Yeah, welcome back to the show, man. It's so good to have you. Yeah, because I love your intros. It's so good. I know it's it's a you know very game gamey gamery slash eighties slash all that stuff. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, okay, Costin. Um, we titled this "Is the Bible Necessary?" Yes, yeah, which that. seems a bit like a a rhetorical question to some, but to others, it is a legitimate question that's being asked even within, even within the church right now. So, um, which is really sad. Um, so we're going to get into it more accurately. You're going to get into it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I just take it away and then we'll see where this goes, man. Um, I, I had focused very much in uh, in preparation on um, some things that we'll get into, as you know, about uh, the history of the Bible, how to interpret it, um, what it looks like to steer clear of things like liberal theology and so on. But what I saw is the Bible necessary. I realized that's probably the best banner you could stick over all of this. Mm. Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was a reminder that there have been pockets of history where the word, and that's what it is, is the word of God, has um, come under the most fiercest attack of pretty much any piece of literature ever. Hmm. Um, and I was reminded of just before the Second Great Awakening, um, so in the 1800s, there's a period where, you know, after the First Great Awakening, which totally revolutionized America and um, the UK and so on, uh, and beyond, of course, there was a massive, you know, revival of uh, well, awakening across, you know, continents, 
to Jesus, like truly converted power of God, people walking in the spirit uh, and changed lives. And then fast forward a few decades later and you've got, um, you know, universities that are mocking the Bible and mock it doing, you know, uh, all sorts of disgusting things with the word of God. And then in the midst of that, it was actually the backdrop for the second great awakening. And I think it's significant uh, that you can't sort of kill the word of God, mm. uh, no matter what you do to it, uh, how you try. Communism's the same, Nazism's the same. They've gone after the word, and it, and when you read secular history, it's it's almost like a, a sort of a side thought. It's like, oh yeah, you know, they didn't like these people, they didn't like those people. You know, they had this philosophy, that philosophy. But when you actually read the people that lived through it, especially those um, missionaries and uh, uh, people we know of, Corrie Ten Boom would be one of the most obvious ones, the way that the Nazis went after the word of God, and it's irrational. Yeah, It's actually a sign that the word of God is powerful and living and that the spirit in of the age, irrelevant of the ism that you stick on the end of it, mm-hmm. um, or, or even the Roman, um, you know, uh, various Roman emperors and, and uh, you know, through the first sort of three centuries AD, it's a rational level of hatred towards the word of God. It's a sign and of a spirit behind it that mm-hmm. actually has nothing to do with necessarily yeah. what men think of as historical uh, motives, but actually it's a spirit. It's, it's mm-hmm. the enemy hating the word because he knows it saves souls. Yeah. And it's also just a, all of those isms are just reskins of the same, the same. I mean, would you say it's the, arguably the same spirit i mean it's an antichrist spirit yeah um that it's just seeking to because they hate god they want you know that satan hates god wants to try and erase god he's always trying to reskin the same thing to look different but it's the same every single time yeah i'm not sure i could say with absolute detailed authority that it's exactly the same spirits all the time yeah but man i love it jeff it's like we go it's like we just dive straight in there hey (laughs) <laughs> I've got um, a whole bunch of, of, of scriptures that are plastered on the wall in front of me because I just wanted to be able to reference them really quickly. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, uh, in Luke 8, uh, Mark chapter 4, and Matthew 13, the same parable is told three times um, or recorded three times, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the parable of the sower and the soil. So most of us are familiar with that. And, um, before I go there, I just want to recognize something. Um, the Lord spoke this to me, sort of whispered in my ear uh, a couple of days ago when I was preparing. He said, um, you know, most of your audience aren't, if not all of your audience, they're not actually into liberal theology. They mm-hmm. don't, the word's not the word. They actually believe it. So we're kind of, we're kind of preaching to the choir. Yeah. You know what I'm um, so what I want to do is just acknowledge that to you guys, that I'm not preaching at you or speaking Yeah, that's good. You. Like I'm, sort of feeding you the ammunition to stay in the lane that you're in that, Hey, what you're believing about the word being the word is true. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and to add to that, I think I also recognize that everybody who's watching, I think you, most of you would know that um, there are going to be people that are going to see this. And this is also my hope with, with everything mm -hmm. that we do on Elijah fire, especially when we're talking about things like this, is that it's a resource for you to equip you 
Um, Bingo. When you find yourselves in conversations with people, exactly. also to send this to them. If you're struggling, exactly. if you're like, oh, I didn't quite hit it. The, uh, the Holy Spirit is still active. God, God is, God's word is powerful. So everything that you've spoken, God's not going to let those things fall to the ground. But also you have this as a resource too, where you like, he just listened to what Costin has to say. Love um, it, Jeff. That's it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And also arm you with, you know, language to why you believe what you believe, exactly. which is yeah. so helpful. Hey? Yes. So back to um, this parable of the sower and the seed, <clears throat> you will notice that for the seed that fell on um, the road or by the road, it said that the, that the birds came and ate the seed. And then when Jesus interprets the parable, it says that the enemy, the devil came for the word. He didn't come for the soil. He didn't come for their lives. He didn't come for them. He came for the word. And it's the word that we're born again of. So 1 Peter 1, 23, slow down a bit. 1 Peter 1, 23 says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. Mm -hmm. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which was preached to you. It's the word living and active. It's not just some <clears throat> recorded uh, history. It's not just sayings. It's not just prose, um, uh, which is a fancy way of saying like me writing to you a bunch of, of reasons and and, mm -hmm. and and thinking something through with you. Um, it's not just that. The, the, uh, the word is living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's one of the only things, if not the only thing, that's able to discern between soul and spirit. Mm. Um, and we're born again of it. <clears throat> uh, it's, not, it's not just a, um, a piece of literature. It's the living word of God. It, 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 Jesus is described as the word. Mm -hmm. There's a mystery in this. Uh, you know, just John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, if you read that in Greek, uh, gosh, it's it's so uh, amazing. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the God was the Word. And, hmm. the, uh, and it says, this one was in the beginning with God. It's the tr mystery of the Trinity. Um, okay. I've got it running through my head now, in Arche and her Logos. It's, in the beginning was the Word, and the and the God, Hotheos, was the word. It, it, it's the living God. No wonder the enemy's coming against it through yeah. these various isms and spirits and stuff. When we call it the spirit of Antichrist, it's not just that the enemy hates God. This is the battlefield. Hmm. It's souls. It's the word of God that we're born again of. It's living and powerful when it's impregnated into the heart of the, the soil of a person's, a man or woman's heart. It produces the born again state when it's mixed mm. with faith and the Holy Spirit is, uh, it becomes a living, a living well of water that comes up out of a person's life and changes them. Mm. This is, this is the battleground. It's not just yeah. Satan hates God, although I'm sure that is uh, absolutely true and part of it, but it's, this is the, this is the battleground. It's the kingdom yeah. invading. Mm. Yeah. Jesus even said the kingdom of God is like, it is like a man who sowed, seed and then went to bed and rose in the morning and the soil produced fruit by itself but he doesn't know how that's the word of god mm. in every place in history where the word of god is impregnated every culture every people group every 
every cluster of small group of people, larger group of people, even individuals, everywhere it's sown, it produces change. Hmm. uh, It's always been that way is the word. And that's why the enemy comes for the word and he comes for your testimony. With everything he's got, arguments, speculations, lofty thoughts, lies, doubt, fear, modernism, humanism, uh, 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 overstated critical uh, literary criticism, everything he can throw at it because he knows it produces fruit. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a timeline on when when liberal theology started? I guess maybe we should establish what liberal theology is yeah. first. Yeah. So I've, I tend to combine, when I answer a question, like combine a few of the sort of uh, accepted definitions of something, but then I sort of talk about my own sort of perspective sure. on something. So yeah. if you can give me that license, I realize that. Oh, dude, I'll you got the things. license. <laughs> you got it. I'll say things that aren't strictly the definition of what they're, you know, perhaps what they might be thrown around as in, in say, some schools of theology or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's more about looking at what the spirit is behind it. Um, so the the classic idea of liberal theology really is that uh, we look at the word of God or the, the scripture, to use that kind of language, and come with a... Um, a presupposition, so a, a, an assumption that the supernatural isn't real, mm. yep, and that the scriptures are subject to various layers of human thinking that would play out in realms of things like textual criticism, and then we put it on the same level, the scriptures on the same level as virtually any other you know literature on, on the planet. And we uh, subject it to a bunch of our own, or I say our own, not necessarily my own, but or ours on the show, but uh, a bunch of uh, cultural and academic uh, uh, pillars that um, it has to bow to, and we we, we sort of we thresh it out, we we we, um, we tear it apart. Now, um, that that leaves us in a space where it's the word of God that has to move and it's interpretation that has to move rather than our culture, our values, our thinking, our assumptions. And that's where the real issue comes with liberal Mm -hmm. theology. How that plays out is in the most um, simplest form is that our morality um, uh, becomes a shifting shadow and a shifting sand that is subject to culture and to human philosophy. Um, It, uh, eliminates absolutes, uh, so it sort of shifts around, um, and ultimately, and this is where the spirit of Antichrist plays in, is that it undermines the ability of Jesus to transform a life and his centrality in the universe. Mm-hmm. That's mm. that's what liberal theology is. So, yeah. um, it it poses or introduces itself. Um, like if it was a salesman that came to your door and, and sort of shook your hand, it, its handshake is doubts and fears. So it's a lot of did God really say, can that really mean that, which is the devil's language. I mean, you're basically quoting him in the garden, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right from the start. Yep. Um, and, then it, and then it uses leverage points like, well, 
you know, surely the word can't mean this. Um, surely, you know, uh, uh, if if we if the word really means that, then and it'll pile a bunch of negatives up. Well, man, that says this about God and this about you and uh-huh. this about that. Um, so, you know, during the modernist era, that was basically things like, well, you must be stupid to believe that there's a there's a, uh, a you know scientific explanation for everything. Um, or the you know there's no proof that uh, this is the word of God. There's so much literature out there. That kind of um, uh, tangible, um, uh, uh, measurable in the scientific sense, uh, uh, scientific reasoning sort of thing. Uh, I'm missing a word there that I can't can't stop mm-hmm. coming to me. I got you, man. Uh, I got you. But uh, that that's the that's the sphere that it played out there. Um, I had one. I was listening to a guy from Bethel, and he was saying, you know, um, uh, even going back to uh, in a time of um, say Abraham and Moses, he was saying, now I'm not an expert on this. That um, you know, to have a monotheistic view at that time in an age of very imminent present idolatry that was manifest with power, demonic power, mm-hmm. to have a monotheology was to be like the guy with the you know the 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 um, aluminum foil hat on and oh yeah um (laughs) the conspiracy theorists like it was crazy talk you know what i mean so even back then there's this this undermining of the idea that god's um god's god and uh, no wonder you see power plays in the old testament where he's like i you know dagon the statue of dagon falls over in front of god because they knew that the demon was real and they called Mm -hmm. it a god little g um but but uh you know uh uh, you got these guys like abraham moses and there's one true living god and they're crazy uh, you know, mm-hmm. Noah built an ark. It's crazy. You know what I yeah. mean? And um, so this is, it's not like a new idea. Like you said, it's this reskinned spirit mm-hmm. of Antichrist yeah. um, in different versions. Um, under the Romans, you know, um, bow to Caesar and uh, you'd be crazy. And there's, you know, multiple gods. There's a thing called Roman assimilism um, where they just assimilate all these gods, Greek gods, Egyptian gods, blah, blah, blah. They just all stuck them in there, a bit like modern day um, India. And, um, or, or um, you know, these sort of Hindu gods, you know, what, three billion or something crazy like that. Uh-huh. How you yeah. measure that, I don't know. But um, you know, this, this is constant undermining. So, yeah. um, where did where does liberal theology start? I mean, I think it's just a new label for um, a, a, you know, uh, the same spirit, like you sort of said. But in terms of the statement liberal theology, probably, I don't know if it was used the word liberal back in the eighteen hundreds, but definitely coming into the twentieth century, um, you'll probably find language like that. Um, especially with some German, unfortunately, uh, theologians of the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, where they began to do things like um, pick and choose scriptures. Okay. Um, so one of the one of the door knock or one of the handshakes, or in, you know, the way the salesman of liberal theology starts out would be, "Hey, the Old Testament God seems really harsh." Mm. And the New Testament God, and obviously that's um, rubbish. But there's no, there's only one God, and He's the same. Right? Lord. Yeah, I was just, I was literally just going to say that. So, <laughs> uh, so the, the theological term for that's called erroneous dichotomy, um, mm. which just means that cutting God in two is wrong. Erroneous <laughs> literally dichotomy. There yeah. we go. There's the, um, uh, there's the term of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, and then they say, so oh, but the you know, New Testament God's this gracious, loving God. So then they say, oh, well, maybe the Old Testament's not actually the Word of God. Hmm. and begin to cut and paste and stuff like that um 
I've got a picture of mine actually saw a vision just now of uh, like somebody with a book in their hands and they've actually cut like lines out of it. And so you see this book, you know, the pages are kind of like like, uh-huh. like this sort of thing. Yep. There's just a few little sentences left. Yep. Um, and uh, I've seen that there's been theologians uh, in the 20th century, uh, especially the beginning of it, that have done that. They've said, oh, well, you know, uh, some parts of some things that Paul says are, are, are this and that. And, and, and so we're not so sure about the canon of scripture for um, some other authors in the New Testament. So let's just take some of the quote-unquote red letters of Jesus and some of the bits where Paul talks about this or talks about that, whatever they happen to choose, whatever their, their pet theology is. And let's just say that's the word of God and all this other stuff's kind of, yeah. Mm. Um, and so we've got a bunch of problems with that. Yeah. Um, one of which is that I'm going to drop a line here. Um, this is if you ask any of my students or former students, uh, what the best way to interpret scripture is. Uh, I said this last time we were together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, rep- they'll parrot back to you. And uh, I think they believe it. Uh, in fact, I'm sure they do. Best yeah. way to interpret scripture is through scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, a great example of that is uh, in um, in Timothy, where it says uh, all scripture is God-breathed, as useful for training in righteousness. Um, it's talking primarily about the Old Testament. Now, the reason why it's talking primarily about the Old Testament is because at the time Paul wrote that. The, we didn't have the New Testament. Testament. Yeah. Bingo. That's right. Yeah. So, um, again, uh, where is it? I've got it up on the wall here. Um, You're good. Keep talking. My cat is going crazy and I need to like <laughs> pacify her. So keep talking. Praise God. Um, but you got things like, I think it's uh, Second Peter. Um, he says, where are we? Why can't I find you? Yeah, Second Peter 1.20, it says, Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is ever a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by God, sorry, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and so... You know, when we say prophecy is Christian, I'm not just talking about prophets like, oh, you know, that this is going to happen. The, the, the spirit of prophecy is actually a testimony of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, if you want to find Jesus in the Old Testament, he is everywhere. Um, I'll speak prophetically for a second. This is episode 119, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. right. Psalm 119, David prays, open my eyes to, to see one behold excuse me open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your law now that law that word law is torah um that's your instruction but i'm sure david it, for the most part is talking about the first five books of the bible the pentateuch or the torah the 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 um you know the um the books of moses as it were um by some people's language so genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy mm-hmm. and um you know, uh, I've noticed uh, liberal theology try to invade the grace revelation where uh, we've seen a lot lately, actually. Uh, people are a bit confused and even um, trying to say things like, you know, uh, we can stay in sin because it's under the blood and all this sort of stuff, just total rubbish. Um, um, where it's trying to invade and say, well, you know, uh, the law's bad. Um, maybe we're done with the Old Testament. We don't need it anymore. Um, yeah. And so let's let's go there. Like, um, yeah. 
Jesus is in the first five books in the Bible. In fact, he said, I'm here to fulfill the law. So that means he's talking about fulfilling the first five books of the Bible. Okay. So let's stop there for a second. You are saying that Jesus is in all five books, first the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Dude, let's get into this. <laughs> Moses um, said, well, actually, God said to Moses and he said to the people, there, God will raise up a prophet like me from among the people. So that means mm -hmm. he's going to come from the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. And every you need to listen to him. Every soul that does not listen to this prophet will be removed from the people. That is quoted in Acts because it's talking about Jesus. Mm. And when you read, um, you know, when Jesus said to uh, the disciples, like, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say Elijah and some say the prophet. That's the prophet they're talking about. Okay. He's the ultimate prophet. And um, and then he says, you know, who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the prophet he's talking about. And Moses, you got to read between the lines here. or Not read between the lines, a dangerous statement. Read read the, the, what he's saying here. When he says he's going to raise up a prophet from among the people who's like me, and you need to listen to him, and anyone that doesn't listen to him will be removed from the people. What is one of the things that he's saying or implying there is that his message is more important than mine. Hmm. So Moses is saying someone's going to come along down the track whose whose message is greater than mine and of greater importance, and the consequences and reward of listening or not listening to him is is, is the great is the greatest. Yeah. So that's kind of parroting the beginning of the book of Hebrews where it says in the in the past God has spoken at many times and in many ways through the forefathers and the prophets mm -hmm. but now he speaks to us through a son hmm. and then later on it goes on to say that Moses who gave the law who warned on earth or from the earth he's an earthly man when he warned from earth he says that every transgression had its proper consequence right and then it says how much more than if we ignore him who warns from heaven that's jesus mm. here's the jesus's fulfillment of everything spoken in the law um so we see him there all through um his character is perfect he didn't break the law in any way he's actually the fulfillment of the law i read the book of leviticus years and years ago I was actually doing a um, a uh, assignment on Old Testament survey, um, and I the assignment was you had to um, give a single paragraph uh, summary of every book of the Old Testament. Uh, we're all, so as you'd imagine, us you know first year Bible yeah. we're like, whoa, whoa yeah, <laughs> that's so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I skim read the entire Old Testament, which was amazing for me. Um, but I got I actually read through the book of Leviticus completely rather than skim reading, even though like when you read skim read, you actually do read every word, but you know, you sort of parrot. Yeah. Through. It's like a rapid fire absorption of, of the material. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm flying through, but I actually read through the book of Leviticus. Like that's the one you stopped and you read. Yeah. That's the one you stopped and you read. Yeah. Yeah. And at the beginning of it, I said to the Lord, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Lord, I'm struggling here. 
I'm not sure how I can get something out of this hmm. um, because it's so laborious in the rules and the things and things and things. And, and, um, and I, I was reading it, it was about, I don't know, a third of the way through or something. And as I'm reading all these laws and, um, and really like these kind of rules that were how does holiness play out in community and justice play out in community in the nation of Israel. And, um, you know, you know, if someone steals this, this is what you do. And if this happens, this is how you, you know, um, this is the fine and how you do recompense. This is perfect justice. And um, he said to me, this is my character. Hmm. And I realized that I was actually seeing the holiness of God, not holiness like a concept that's kind of out there, you know, in the universe, but God's holy and he's removed from us, but actually his character that he is perfectly fair perfectly just perfectly holy and perfectly uh, righteous perfectly loving and nothing he does is is unjust or unfair or uh, um or does the wrong thing he never does the wrong thing by people he's he's perfect and i saw his beautiful character in it mm. and this beautiful goodness of god I and i realized that he actually shows his character now when you get to jesus who is god and he's the word incarnate he's actually the outliving of a perfect human being he says so the echo of or the the the, per, the exact uh, uh depiction of those things in leviticus that you're reading in the law yeah. character yeah in fact um I without taking too much license you'd almost put it the other way around that the law is a shadow of jesus but mm, he's actually the perfect representation yeah. oh, that's good um he just lives it mm. uh that's just that's just that um there are shadows of him all through um these uh, the law and even the way that it transitions from uh deuteronomy to joshua every i've noticed that every joshua in the old testament is actually a shadow of christ Interesting. Uh, i'm pretty sure every joshua now the word joshua in hebrew is yehoshua it's god saves all um god my yeshua Hmm. Right, Jesus. It's, it's yeah. just Jesus. Uh -huh. right? Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. So the okay. two ones that, that I'll look at, that I'll point to really quickly, is um, obviously Joshua of the book of Joshua. Now, Moses represents the law, right? And he is forbidden from taking the people of god into the promised land now in part that's his own actions where he struck the rock the second time um but uh then he takes joshua and he says that joshua just you're going to lead the people across the jordan into the promised land right here's the deal the law can't save you and it can't make you walk in holiness it doesn't have the power it's called the ministry mm. of death so it can't take you into the promised land. But where the law cannot save you, Joshua or Jesus can take you into the promised land. Hmm. It's a picture. Mm -hmm. So we see this con yeah. ongoing fulfillment of this thing. Now, I've got to thank a friend of mine um, for this revelation. But um, when they crossed the Jordan, it says that the waters of the Jordan, it stopped at a city named Adam, right? Adam, okay. right? Uh -huh. We're born. We're born into Adam. We're born again into Jesus, right? 
So that which flowed from Adam, which is our old sinful nature, when we cross into the promised land, when we believe Jesus Christ, the waters that flow from Adam stop so that we can cross into the promised land. What, mm. what came from our forefather awesome. Adam actually stopped and we get to walk in a place where we're in the promised land where we get to walk in a new life. We're no longer living dominated by the old nature of sin that came from our forefather Adam. There's mm. these pictures there. Wow. Jesus is this perfect fulfillment. Yeah. So really quick, Costin, because I know that even within liberal theology, progressive Christianity, however you want to call it, there's, I feel like this kind of stuff, how God echoes, like he kind of confirms his word throughout time, right? And that was one of the things that I, last time you were on the show, I was saying that I've been reading through Hebrews and I've kind of just, like I was stuck on Romans for a while, I'm stuck on Hebrews and the thing that I just, uh, it's been a, it's been a hot minute since I've fully really immersed myself in that book. But one of the things that's blown me away is just how much, I mean, the, the, the author is pulling out scripture left and right from the old Testament, just boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like, whoa, like, like, whoa, like even in the Psalms that I'm like, oh, that was a nice Psalm. But like, there are things that are confirming Christ in yep. the Psalms. And I'm just like, man, this is. And it's stuff that I've known, but you know, you get that deeper revelation yeah, or something, you know, and you're like, whoa. Um, <sighs> but I feel like I feel like with with all of that, there's this there's this thing where the human factor takes over and we get so in our head and logic-minded about everything within scripture and lose the whole spirit aspect. Yes, when Jesus even said my words are spirit. Jesus yeah. is the word made flesh. Ah, come on. He says, my words are spirit. And so I think that the, if we just look at it from a, pardon the analogy, but a Vulcan mindset of yep. Star Trek, of just very logic minded, just focusing on the facts. That's where I feel like liberal theology has really grabbed a hold of academia as well, where they, they start to refer to everything as what the author was intending to do in telling in writing these things and in a way I'm like, they completely remove. Yeah. They completely remove God from the equation. Yeah. They just said the, the author was writing this and what they were yes. trying to depict from that book to this book. Uh, what, and I'm like, Whoa, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> stop yeah. you right there. You know? And so I think we cannot read the word um, without the spirit, the spiritual aspect of that. And so I do feel like liberal theology has, really grabbed a hold of that mm -hmm. aspect of what you're talking about throughout the course of time from the front yeah. page to the back page of this yeah, to where it's, they then go, surely God can do this because God doesn't do this and this. He's not, I don't believe in the supernatural. So they you're just creating God it. in your own image and then erasing right. him. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So um, it's amazing. The book of Hebrews, um, I was trying to find, I've got my other laptop right in front of me. I was trying to find my lesson plan for uh, the book of Hebrews um, intro there, but I, for whatever reason, I couldn't find it uh, quickly anyway, without taking too much time away from screen. Um, but the percentage of Hebrews that are, that is um, Old Testament quotation is huge. Yeah. Um, I think it's over a hundred direct quotations. And wow. then the percentage of the book that's actually referencing the Old Testament it's it's like way up there. It's, it's well over fifty percent. I wish I could remember. I, I feel like probably feel like a fool right now. I just couldn't see the. Hey, I mean, you're me. more than welcome to di if you want to take a second to find it. I'm cool. I'm um, cool with it, man. And you just but, said a magic, uh, magic. Gosh, um, like an amazing scripture. You know, um, 
John 6.63, he said, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Mm -hmm. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. It's not mm -hmm. a game. It's not somebody's opinion. It's not an author's intention. It's the living, breathing word of God, and it changes us. It's spirit and life. Yeah. Um, God, I don't understand why I can't find this. Uh, thank you, Lord. You're going to guide me. Yes. Marty Nay. While you're doing that, I am also going to talk uh, just really quick. I, I mean, if anybody sees me writing down, I'm writing down notes because this is like a really dense topic and I, I want to make sure that I hit something. But one of the things that I've noticed about liberal theology as well is also uh, uh, rather than viewing God's word as definitive and using that as the foundation in which we build yeah. everything, everything has to be supported by this. Um, it's a theology by omission. So it's that's right. It's. Um, well, God didn't say that I couldn't do that. Uh -huh. Show me, you'll see people show me a scripture where Jesus condemns this act, whatever it is. And they'll use that on their basis to confirm their lifestyle. They'll use yeah. that as a, when, I mean, like we talked about last time about what it means to be a new creation exactly. that regardless regard, again, getting into like the, you know, uh, is it this or is it that of like, I think I even mentioned this last time, the whole like, uh, it, are people born this way? Uh, if you're talking about LGBTQ issues, regardless of where you stand on that, where you're like, I don't, I don't think, I think people are born this way. Or I don't think people are born this way. It's to me is more of a moot point because we know what the Bible says that you're a new creation. So regardless yeah. of wherever people fall on those issues, we know what the, the, the benchmark Bingo. is. So Here's, I'm so glad you did that. And thank you. I think you helped simplify liberal theology. There's so much information rattling around. I find it hard to boil it down. So thank mm -hmm. you. Well done. Yeah. Just keeping me. Tag team um, in. We're tag teaming. Come on. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Um, let's just go there because I think it's one thing to talk about liberal theology or talk about, talk about interpretation, but really the Bible is about Jesus and it's mm -hmm. about the righteousness of faith. The whole Bible is about Jesus and the righteousness of faith. So when we talk about biblical literacy, We've got this 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 thing called meta narrative, which is this overall mm -hmm. picture of what is the story of the Bible. Yeah, and if you don't have that picture, you can get bogged down in the the individual processes within that big picture. So we've got this creation, then we've got the fall, then we've got a process of revealing redemption, which is ultimately culminated in Jesus, and then. Um, uh, uh, um, consummated at the second coming in the in the coming of the fullness of the kingdom. So there's this there's this whole story of God redeeming humanity from creation, the fall, and then a process of revealing redemption. That's the story of the Bible. So we get bogged down in uh, we can get bogged down in these individual things and go, well, why is God like this then? And why is he he's revealing something um, over? this course of time that there's this redemption available through faith, through the man, Jesus Christ. And he's mentioned in Genesis. It's right there in Genesis um, where, where he says um, to Eve that um, your, your seed, um, that that's the, the, the serpent will bruise his heel and he will crush his head. It's talking mm. about Jesus. It's yeah. already there. Yeah. Um, and even with Abraham, the righteousness of faith, it says in the New Testament uh, that uh, I think it's Galatians. It might be. Uh, yeah, Galatians. Uh, but it's also mentioned in, in Romans chapter four, 
that the gospel, the gospel was preached to Abraham before the law. And um, oh, yeah. and it says that uh, he believed God and it was accredited to him as faith. Yeah. Uh, and he walked a righteous life, <laughs> which is wild. And there's all these people from from uh, uh, Abel um, through um, through to um, potentially New Testament believers listed in Hebrews chapter 11 that believe God by faith and walked a righteous life, mm-hmm. even before the law, which is yeah. wild. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. there's this there's this thing there. Um, so you've got to have this, this meta narrative that this is the plan of redemption from start to finish. And that's what the word of God is revealing. And it's, and it's spoken of through the prophets. It's wild through the prophets, even the second coming, everything. It's all there. The righteousness of faith, what it looks like to endure through persecution with an eternal perspective. It's all there in the Psalms and the prophets. Mm. It, it, you just have to have the eyes of the Holy Spirit help you to see it. Um, Jesus is the rock with seven eyes who are the Holy Spirit. He is the king priest of Zechariah chapter 5 who wears the crown and is the high priest at the same time. He is the one that builds the new temple. He's all of it. Um, <laughs> a machine gun and the stuff. So you have to have that meta narrative of biblical literacy there to understand it's the plan of redemption. That there's a power of God to make a person righteous through walking with him yeah. by faith in relationship. And that hasn't changed from, um, from um, Abel and Enoch all the way through to us. It's just that there's been a greater revelation and um, potentially a greater reality of the new creation from the resurrection onwards and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always just been this message of believe in me, turn from your sins and believe in me and follow me by faith. And there's going to be a promise of this eternal outcome for you. And uh, and so that's been this message always, 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 always. And, uh, and there's a consistency in it. And you can see that consistency in Romans 4, in Hebrews 11, um, in Galatians chapter 4. Um, it talks about um, uh, uh, Jacob and uh, Esau and that it's, it calls Jacob the child born of the spirit and the promise and that Esau was born according to the flesh. And he says, so as it was then, so it is now that he who was born of the flesh persecutes the one born of the spirit. Hmm. Um, it's, it's wild, man. I'm, not, yeah. I'm like breaking the windows open. Yeah, for that's good, man. Um, that's like... so, so let's get that back to your comment about, you know, um, people saying, well, Jesus doesn't condemn this and doesn't condemn that. I want to read a couple of scriptures and I want to talk about the righteousness of faith because this is the answer to all of this junk. Okay. Um, Here we go. So, um, where are we? Timothy. I've got these printed out here in front of me. So 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 16 through 26 now. To drop a, a line I heard from a guy named Ken Fish lately, I'm going to read a bit more scripture than perhaps people are used to when they hear someone speak. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man. Because, hey, man, the best the best sermons are already written, right? They're right. Right? Here. Come on. Amen. Come on. So yeah. this is this remind, this is Paul to Timothy, right? So this is Paul speaking to a young leader in Ephesus, arguably the greatest revival of Paul's time. Um, there we got people being healed by being touched by handkerchiefs that were coming from Paul. Like, this is a wild revival. Yeah, man. Um, Remind them of these things. This is him telling him, you know, talk about sound doctrine. And uh, and he says, solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, 
This is useless and leads to the ruin of its hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it leads to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Never mind the specific thing there. Just don't get distracted by the resurrection bit. Just these people that have gone away into useless wrangling over words, right? Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. This is simple statements, right? Right. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some for honor and some used for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now you flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, and love with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must be quarrelsome, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Listen to this. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Hmm. Um, 1 Timothy 1, and I'll just grab it in my Bible here. I just love this Bible. This is a beautiful Shula Bible that my um, my first students um, gave me a few years back. Um, and that's NASB, right? That's a 95 NASB. 95. And I would recommend sticking to that rather than the 2020 version. Okay. Um, um, But it says this, um, this is, again, Paul talking to Timothy about instruction. He says, verse 3, I urge you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than God's provision, or it it says further in the administration of God, but the Greek says God's provision which is by faith. So that what God provides is righteousness, this, this transformation, this salvation is, is by faith. And it says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things, so straying from a good conscience, straying from a pure heart, straying from sincere faith and going into speculation, they've strayed, They've turned aside from the faith and turned aside the fruitless discussions. And ready? Wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand what they're saying, nor the matters about which they make confident assertions. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say, but we know that the law is useful when it's used lawfully, uh, realizing the law wasn't made for a righteous person, but for sinners, for lawless and rebellious and ungodly people, 
who and he gives this list profane their mother and father kill and murder immoral sexually immoral homosexual kidnappers liars perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching what he's saying is here is people want to argue about what's right and wrong they don't even understand the gospel hmm. so let's talk about the gospel for a minute the whole the there's this whole idea right that certain letters are written to contradict certain um issues and 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 and, and uh, uh um heresies right so mm-hmm. gnostic gnosticism usually is the whipping boy for that um especially uh uh peter's peter's and john's letters um but uh or john's letters but um i, I don't if if you're teaching someone like the gospel right you don't spend all your time contradicting every idea that's out there or whatever's popular in your generation or your your um, geography. You teach them the gospel. That's right. So you know, sometimes people are like the book of Hebrew and uh, the book of Romans is written to address uh, a division between Jews and Gentiles in the in the in the in the uh, in the church. And I'm like, no, the book of Romans is written to explain the gospel because if you understand the gospel, then there's no division and there's no issues. Um, this is a, oh, Colossians, another one. They talk about the Colossian heresy, and they talk about this, the the philosophies of the age. I'm like, no, 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 no. The book of Colossians is written to clarify and teach the gospel, so that when there's a bunch of other philosophies out there, you're actually firm. Um, Colossians chapter two, mm. it begins with, "I want you to know how great a a pain or a um, a passion." I have for you, um, Colossians, Laodiceans, and those I haven't seen with my face, that you be, I was going to read it, actually. Yeah, let's do it. Struggling to paraphrase it. And then while you're looking for that, really quick, there were some people asking for those scriptures that you read from, it was 2 Timothy chapter 2, 16 Uh, through uh, 16 to 26, and then 1 Timothy 3 through about 7. Sorry, 1 Timothy 1, verse 3 through about 7. Yeah, there you go. so we get to Colossians, right? And it says this, um, I want you to know how great a struggle um, I have on behalf of, the, of uh, on your behalf and those who are in Laodicea and for all who have not personally seen my face. Now that word struggle um, in Greek, it's not just saying like I'm having a struggle. This is my agony. This is my passion. So you can misread it and say, oh, I've got a struggle. You know, Paul's being persecuted, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get that, right? That's part of Paul's life. That's real. That's amazing. But he's saying, no, no, no. The thing I agonize over in my heart is I want this thing for you. This mm. is what I want to achieve in your life. You with me? The totally changes. Yeah, totally yeah, changes. Yeah, you read it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to catch Paul's train of thought in, this, in his epistles, right? Stuff the stupid um, the- philosophies and, and literal criticism. You've got to catch his train of thought so you could catch what he's trying to say. And it's always gospel centric, I believe. And I think I'm correct. And I think I have the Holy Spirit on it. You don't muck around this chat and that chat. You're trying to disciple people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you give them the gospel, the power of the word, and you show them so that when other things come their way, it's like, no, I know the truth already. He's about to say exactly that in Colossians chapter two. So mm-hmm. he says, this is the thing I agonize over for your hearts is this. And he says this in verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. So he's like, I want that first. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. Mm. And he, he goes on further and just bumps off worldly thinking and legalism and, 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 and um, adherence to like uh, uh, um, the, the, the Jewish law and processes as a way. And he says, these things are of no value against fleshly indulgence because it's the body of Christ that saves you. It's his death and resurrection that makes you that sets you free from the dominion of sin, not legalism mm-hmm. or the law and not worldly philosophies. And there's heaps out there, right? Uh, when you say the word Torah, you're not just talking about the law like legalism. You're actually talking about, hey, this is a teaching. This is how you should live. And so when God says this is what it looks like to live, it's his teaching. It's, 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 it's God's Torah. It's saying, hey, this is how you should live. And there's all these different people out there saying, no, you know, eat this food, get up in the morning, and this is how you'll be the ultimate entrepreneur and do this and do this, right? That's their Torah. It's their teaching. It's like, this is what you should do. This is what life, this is where life is. And God's like, no, no, it's, the Christ, it's Christ's teaching, not his teaching, but his body and his death and resurrection that has done what the law and worldly philosophy can't do. It sets you free to live a holy life mm. in communion with God by his power. And he says, so don't get caught up in all this other junk. Um, and I'm just going to re-read verse 2 because there's a whole bunch of paraphrastic translation going on there. They've actually stuck a whole bunch of extra words in there. Even the beautiful translators of, of the 95 NASB have done this to help us understand. But I'm okay. going to remove them because I think it's more powerful when you can uh, catch it. Okay. And I can see you've got something to say. So. No, I'm just I'm, I'm curious how this is going to go. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is Paul, this is Paul's struggle, his passion, the thing that he's agonizing over that he wants in their lives. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and to all the wealth of the full assurance of understanding. Let's read it hmm. again so I got it right that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and to all the wealth of the full assurance of understanding in a true knowledge of God's mystery, Christ, hmm. in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, we, we talk about things like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now I get that, right? There's a measure, not just a measure, there's actually it's a massive realm of we got to trust God and not our own understanding. But Paul says in terms of the gospel, he says, I want you to come to the wealth of the full assurance of understanding. You actually, I want you to understand the gospel. Now within that understanding, there's mysteries. Like how is it that faith changes it? How is it? That's a mystery, but the reality that that it does and that it can be understood is true. The gospel is meant to be understood. Yeah. And um, notice in, uh, where is it? Um, In the parable of the sower and the soil, in one of the accounts, in Matthew's account, when Jesus explains uh, it to them and he says that the, the seed that fell by the roadside and the birds came and stole it, in Matthew's account, it says that the word, when it went into their hearts, they didn't understand it. And because they didn't understand it, the enemy came and stole the word from their heart. Interesting, hey? Hmm. When Abraham 
I'm machine gunning stuff here, dude. It's good. It's all good. That's <laughs> what the replay's can... for, man. You just yeah, you, you watch this, absorb it. It's kind of the same thing with like Watchman Nee when he wrote the Spiritual Man. He was like, read this all the way through, and then just and then leave it alone for a long time, and then come go back to it. So it could be like I that. Mean, it's a pretty <laughs> small book, so yeah, it's just a tiny book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for anyone that's a book, it's a monster book. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um. So when Abraham and God made a covenant together, right, they cut the sacrifices open. And uh, if you guys remember, they cut the sacrifices open. So there's these um, birds and, uh, and heifer and so on. And they cut the, they cut the carcass in half and left it out, right, for the day. And then birds came and tried to eat the sacrifice, right? So carrion birds came. And Moses, not Moses, sorry, Abraham went and shooed the birds away, right? And then not long after in the night, a a flame of fire came and passed through the sacrifices. Okay. That was the covenant that was being cut between God and Abraham mm. through those sacrifices. And Abraham chased away the birds. Yeah. In the gospel, in the parable of the sower and the soil, it says in Matthew's account that the word went into their hearts, but they didn't understand it. And the birds came and stole to see the word, right? Mm, uh -huh. So they couldn't enter into the covenant of faith. My job as a teacher, a revelator of the new covenant, is to chase the birds away from you mm. so that you can understand what has been done for you so you can enter into the covenant and the sacrifice that's been made for you. You with me? Mm -hmm. There's a parallel there. Um, so that you can understand and have the enter into the wealth of the full assurance that there is a way of actually understanding what the gospel has done for you so you don't go into error. And it's gospel-centric. The Jesus and the righteousness of faith, the gospel is the Rosetta Stone of all the scriptures. It is the lens through which we view all of the scriptures. He's the meta-narrative of the scriptures. He's the one. Understand the book of Romans and Hebrews, and you can pretty much understand the whole Bible because you'll understand that God is always talking about faith. He's always referring to the promise, and that promise is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So why all that in terms of liberal theology? Well, we've just spent about, I don't know, 50 years or more living in what's called uh, a, a paradigm of penal substitution atonement. Now, what penal substitution atonement is in, in real language is the idea that, the, that Jesus went to the cross to, um, when you were, were penal, you're talking about the word penalty. So you had a uh -huh. criminal in a court of law. Yeah. There's a penalty for the crime that they've committed. So that's penal, right? Penalty mm -hmm. for the crime you've committed. And then substitution is someone comes in and does that in my place. So Jesus steps in and he takes the penalty for the crime, the sin that I've committed. And that's the atonement, right? So we got penal, it's the penalty, the punishment, substitution, mm -hmm. Jesus takes the punishment, atonement. That's what, so he's atoning for my sins. So that's definitely found in the scriptures. That is definitely true. The problem with it is it is definitely not the whole gospel. Hmm. And um, I'm just thinking how much background information we'll give on this. I'll just say in short that in terms of the last 2,000 years, it's relatively new theology.
help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. And that's not necessarily, in fact, it's definitely not the fullness of what the New Testament church preached or even the first three or four centuries preached. What- so really quick, I, I just to go back, I, I want to, because I want to make sure I'm tracking with you on this yep. too. And I just also for the sake of other people. Yeah. So what you're saying is there's a kind of more of a hyper focus on just the salvation aspect of what Jesus did and that there's, there's more to the equation. Is that what you're saying? Is that, yeah, let's, okay. let's put a different word than salvation. Cause I think yeah. it's what I'm going to talk about is the fullness of salvation. Yeah. But there's just an emphasis on Jesus taking the punishment. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Or okay. it's a hyper emphasis. Yeah. Um, or even, I don't think you can overemphasize that. I think it's more like you can do that at the expense of the rest of the gospel. Mm. Probably a better way of saying it. Or even not even be aware of the rest of the gospel. But honestly, though, now that I'm thinking about that, that just focusing on that, okay, just focusing on the fact that Jesus took the penalty for sin uh, opens up. Uh, you can start to look at all these other weird kind of even just liberal theology and understanding how that even came to be. If you, if you know that what you just said, yeah, it makes a lot more sense to look and be like, yeah, okay. And I could see how people would take that and be like, that's where that whole mentality of like, oh, I can just do whatever God will forgive me. Uh, which is, I mean, Hebrews talks about talks about that that's some scary scriptures there hey Hi, yes. yes sir <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's easy to get high and mighty and say well yeah there's warning in scripture and preach it right mm-hmm. but actually when i say stuff like that i say it with a massive measure of grief and mm-hmm. i think i had the heart of the father on that too yeah um so let's get back to this thing because this is where the teaching really starts i want to slow down a bit now okay i'm just going to read some scriptures on on the gospel and its fullness um, because if the foundations of your thinking are wrong or incomplete, then every conclusion you make afterwards is going to be wrong. So if you think that the gospel is just Jesus solely and only taking the punishment for your sins, that's what that's what you think redemption is. Then when you try to think about everything else, you're going to be asking questions like, well, what defines right and wrong anymore? You know, is it the law um, yeah, under the wow. law? And you're completely misinterpreting the whole New Testament. Yeah. And you're asking questions that are actually irrelevant because your foundations are incomplete. You wow, understand man. what the gospel is, which is why I believe Paul spent so much time in um, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, and arguably Hebrews, a uh, little wink of the eye there. Um, mm-hmm. You understand that he's trying to lay a foundation of the gospel and what it actually is. And the mm-hmm. simple, that Paul tends to explain, whereas you get people like Paul and uh, uh, John and Peter who just make really simple statements like, hey, um, this is the message we've heard from the beginning, that God is light and in him there is no darkness. If anyone walks in darkness, and doesn't walk in the truth. It's simple statements. Yeah. Or um, whoever um, says he walks in him should um, should walk as he walked. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord should refrain from from sin. This is this is the simple statements, but Paul explains. So you got to understand that the, the Gospels, the whole, sorry, the New Testament so rounded, God knew that he needed both of those sets of voices for us to get it because we all think differently and there's different ways of explaining things. But in terms of the gospel, um, not just this penal substitution atonement, but there's this whole idea of ransom. Um, so Colossians um, says that we have been um, 
rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred or translated into the the um, kingdom of the son of his love. And there's this whole idea that we were enslaved to sin and death. So enslaved to the enemy, enslaved to, the, to, the, to, the, to sin, and then ultimately to death. Mm-hmm. And so imagine we're, we're actually in shackles and like any slave, you're forced to do what your master says. So um, if you want to read um, the back half of Romans 6, it says, hey, whatever you um, are enslaved to that, you're its, you're its servant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so once we were slaves to sin, but now we've been set free from sin and became slaves of righteousness. So we were, um, we were enslaved to sin and to darkness. We were under its dominion. And so we had to do the feral things that the enemy demanded of us. And the way he enslaved us was through desire. Uh, and so we're enslaved to this thing. And what you get paid at the end of the day is death. That's the wages of sin. You actually lived in death. Um, and then Jesus comes and ransoms us with his blood from the ownership and the dominion of sin and the devil and ransoms our freedom and takes us out of them. So we're no longer under the dominion, under the, the charge of sin and the devil. And now we belong to God. He's paid the ransom price. Like if you kidnap somebody, you know, there's a ransom price that's offered up. And that ransom price for us was Christ, mm-hmm. the blood of Jesus. And it was the full, you know, the price of his blood. And so it's actually ransomed us. It set us free. It's like we were enslaved this horrible master that made us do horrible things. And at the end of the day, it was torment. And then death was the outcome of those things. Um, and then he comes and he pays with his blood to ransom us from that reality. That's that's another aspect of the gospel um, that you can find in the scripture. But um, even more beyond that, if you want to encompass both penal substitution atonement and ransom, is the simple statements of the scripture that um, that he is a sacrifice that that has bought us a new covenant that we Mm -hmm. enter into by faith so his death is our death and it removes us from the accountability of the law and brings us into the reality of the spirit where we now live by a new nature Mm -hmm. because of the spirit we've been set free from the law of sin and death this slavery this bondage to sin and i'll just read a couple of um, scriptures here um, Romans 6 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And it's just, he's, he's, he's actually, we've, we've been co crucified with Christ and co resurrected with him. And now we live in newness of life. So people want to argue about the law. They actually don't know what they're talking about because it's not, it's not, it's not, the, not, it's not the issue. It's we live by the Spirit now. And when we live by the Spirit under a new covenant, it says in Galatians 20, uh, 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wait for it. Against such things, there is no law. Hmm. So when you live by the Spirit, you actually live in holiness. Hmm. This is the new mm-hmm. way. It's a new and living way. It's yeah. a better way. So the issue isn't us trying to say, can I do this and can I do that? All you're doing is trying to justify sin. Yeah. Only by the Spirit, your desires change. You're holy wow. on the yeah. inside. And then the idea of sin is repulsive to you. Mm-hmm. In fact, not only is the idea of external sin repulsive, but then 
your motives become so pure that the idea of doing the wrong thing by your brother, even at a, you know, at a, a level of um, inadvertently doing the wrong thing, you're so repulsed by that idea because your hearts are knitted together in love by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer in your nature to do the wrong thing by your brother that you instantly like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, bro. I didn't realize the motive that had crept into that process there. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, you know, there's open heartedness. There's nothing to hide. It's this different reality. Yeah. And um, the things of the flesh repulse us. Yeah. Um, and I think this is illustrated too perfectly. I think sometimes we can lose sight of it. Um, you know, if you like, look, I, I was not a, I was not a drug addict. I was not a partier. I didn't sleep around. I didn't do any of that, but there was a moment of feeling dead inside and then coming that inside coming to life. Okay. But you know, when I, before I said yes to Jesus and after I said yes to Jesus, um, but we also get to see this illustrated on a, a, a much larger level with people who have maybe been in the thick of it. You know, uh, they, they did a lot of drugs, they stole, they did all these things. And they were like, you could, you know, you hear them like, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, I couldn't, I couldn't, no matter what I did, I could not stop doing these things. And then they said yes to Jesus. And then suddenly it's like you meet them two years later and you're like, who is this person? They're completely different. So you get to see, and that's what's so amazing. That's why we need community, right? Because yeah, there aren't going to be some people like I would say, even like myself, where like I I can give you measurable things that have changed within me, but we get to see that in a community, we get to see that on on a displayed on a much larger level, and we get to see those people who could transform radically. Like we get to see, yeah, and and that's like a whole nother conversation, but that I'm just kind of so oversimplifying it maybe, but no, no, you um, actually, yeah. you actually, you actually, it is simple. I know I've gone way around in circles there with theology yeah. and all this stuff. But no, the gospel is really simple. Um, uh, you know, uh, second Peter one, four, it says for by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, we may become partakers of the divine nature, mm. having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And I've quoted that last time we met, and that word lust is epithumia, which is desire. The, mm. the, the, the bondage to these desires for things, it's, it's actually been disarmed by Jesus Christ because you have a new nature, that bondage to the flesh, those things of the flesh. So people that want to wrangle about the law are either stuck in legalism and don't understand that Jesus, it's his body and blood that has set us free from sin and we don't need um, external um, you know, practices to do that holiness and the law has been written in our hearts now and we're changed and they're going down the path of legalism which ultimately they'll end up in the flesh and they'll end up sinning wow, because wow. they've left Christ and gone after their own ability to fulfill holiness yeah. or the other extreme is they'll go after the flesh itself in terms of licentiousness which is um, the Bible's way of saying and Jude's way of saying that grace is permission to sin and what mm. they are is actually enslaved again to the flesh rather than and to various desires rather than into the freedom that the holy spirit brings when we follow jesus christ wow so um, i have a question go, right, go ahead I, I have a question um because i'm sure there's someone else out there that has this question or some of that will um i think that you know is there a new way that we should be one once you know that we're in a, a new covenant right it's like is there is there a better way that we can start shifting our perspective on how we read 
the law um because jesus fulfilled the law right so um because i've i've heard questions let me see if i can kind of send this back up i've seen questions uh of like why do people why do christians um why do they they cherry pick verses from the old testament and say well god says this and you're not supposed to do that and then they'll say well yeah but god also says that a woman's supposed to like separate herself for seven days during her menstrual cycle and people don't do that Uh, so you get what i'm saying where there is a there's a i would say an understandable misunderstanding about uh that approach of saying like, well, God says, don't do this. He said, yeah, but he also said to go stone people if they do X, Y, and Z. So I I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Totally. Holy spirit. This is probably one of those, like you kind of nailed one of those, those crux points. Yeah. This is a bit, this is a big one. I kind of just like said here. Mm. (laughs) I want to really hear the Holy spirit because he's way better at answering questions than I am. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Holy spirit. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Romans um, 8 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The reality when we say things like we don't live by the law anymore, or not under law, we need to understand what God means by that. Hmm. To live by a group of these external rules isn't going to achieve the righteous life that God is desiring. But being led by the Spirit will. Now, I read Galatians 5.22 a minute ago and verse 23, which tags on the end of it, says that against these things there is no law. So the simple answer is, as you live by the Holy Spirit, you won't, you won't find yourself in these lifestyles. Hmm. It's as simple as that. And the holiness that he will produce in your life will be far greater than any law could ever produce. Come on. This is the gospel. Hmm. I listened to uh, Reese Howells, um, amazing intercessor from Wales, was talking about a transaction he had where the Holy Spirit had asked him to do something. And uh, he kind of did it half-heartedly and it didn't work out. And so he was walking away. Holy Spirit said, I want you to go back and do it again with faith. So we did it again and prayed for this person and commanded healing over a person. They were instantly healed. And he said in his reflections, he said, I've noticed that the holiness that the Holy Spirit, he used the word requires, but um, I'm not going to use that word, uh, that he engenders in us as we follow him. He said it's far greater than the law because the laws are like, don't do this, don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's like, follow me. Hmm. I say something I, I'm not sure I completely have a full revelation of, but, um, you know, when Jesus said, um, uh, seek to enter through the narrow path, the narrow gate, for um, broad is the path that, and uh, easy is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path and and, is, and difficult is a way, well, kind of says difficult, it's not quite the word in Greek, um, that leads to life and few are those who find it. And... Um, I was like, that doesn't sound, I know people preached that and said, oh, you know, only a few will be saved. And I think that's rubbish. Mm. Um, God desires all men to be saved and to come to yeah. knowledge of the truth. 
it's not God's heart. So I asked him, or he didn't ask him, but he just showed me. And he said, the narrow path is the Holy Spirit. And when sometimes when Jesus, now listen for a second, sometimes when Jesus says something, it's really superlatively hard for us to grab it sometimes. He says some really strong stuff. I, I should, I'll remove the word superlative. I don't think Jesus uses superlatives because a superlative is a lie. Hmm. Superlative is saying something stronger than you really mean, and it actually is a falsehood, right? So I don't believe you, Jesus uses superlatives, but he says something so strong that you really have to lean into the Holy Spirit to understand what he means. So when he says few, few could even mean none because hmm. he's using strong language. And this is what I'm trying to say. If a path is invisible, then no one can find it. You have to be led. Yeah. The way of righteousness is, is not a path that you can see with your eyes where it's like, well, you know, I've figured it all out now where I go left here, right here, and when I see that, that's a path that you can find. Or, you know, see whether whether people have walked before or a path that's been laid out like a road or even, you know, if you're looking for a cattle track through the bush, you can see where the grass has been trodden a bit. So these are where the cattle walk and you can follow it. But a path that you can't find, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. by an inner witness. I wonder if he's the hidden path. He's the path of righteousness. Yeah. In Psalm 23, it says, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. But the word in Hebrew actually isn't paths, it's tracks. Because a track has been trod on before because Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is leading us in the way that he's already walked. Hmm. It's the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit that produces holiness in our lives. Wow. It's a different way of thinking. It's not a sin consciousness where we're like, I'm trying not to sin. It's the walk of faith, which is actually the leading of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And he will produce in us righteousness. I got a friend of mine. She walked out of a homosexual lifestyle. She was in a church somewhere in Florida that condoned same-sex marriage, and she's in worship. And she just and she'd struggled with same-sex attraction. And she said, um, "I knew it was wrong." And I asked the Holy Spirit, "God," she's like, "God, what's what's wrong here?" And he said to her, "I don't make mistakes. Hmm. You weren't made this way." And she knew instantly that she needed to leave the church because. It wasn't right. They're walking in error. Wow. And um, because she's led by the Holy Spirit, and now she's you know, married and living a holy life. And Come on. Um, you know, I, I've heard lots of things like this. I got a friend of mine um, met recently, and she said she had a dream. She was married to a woman. Married. It's not marriage. Um, and um, and um, she had a dream. She was trying to follow Jesus, but she'd been deceived by different teaching. And she had a dream. And um, I don't know the details of that dream, but she said that God showed her what sin was. And she knew instantly. She's like, oh, man, I'm out. Hmm. Um, wow. If you know, you know, talking about how you read the law, I think you need to hit the reset button for starters. Um, but I'll go back there in a second. Yeah. Um, I'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. Um, I'll make a note. <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to. It's funny. We're talking about the law and stuff like that. Romans 7, 7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Um, may it never be. On the contrary, I, would have not, I wouldn't have come to know sin unless, unless through the law. Mm-hmm. For I would not have known what coveting was if the law had not said you shall not covet. In other words, people want to go, well, the law doesn't define sin. No, the law actually does define sin. It still defines sin. Even It's even said that way in the New Testament. But we don't actually live from that space. If we do, we're going to lose this stuff. Like I've got people that got the Ten Commandments printed on the back of their toilet wall and stuff like that. We don't live from that space. We that's printed in that's actually written in your heart. You don't need that. What you need is the Holy Spirit and to listen mm-hmm. to Him, 
and be led by him and be in relationship with him. This would be a good line to drop his line now. I was praying about the best way to read the Bible. Um, and what do you want to say today, God? And uh, I really, really sought God for the day. Probably part of the reason why it's just like vomiting out of me. Yeah, dude. And so, the fire hose. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, um, though. And I said to him, what do you want to say? And I was writing down my line, which is the best way to read the Bible is through, is, it's really the best way to interpret scriptures through scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, I want to say this. I want to say to you and to this, as in me, I said to you and to these people, the best way to interpret scripture is to read it and to listen to me. Hmm. And I don't hear what I'm not saying or what he's not saying. It doesn't mean we don't go out and we learn sound biblical uh, interpretive models where we you know, learn to um, uh, uh, um, uh, listen to what it said to that generation and what it can say to us and apply theological principles and all that good stuff and, and what it can't mean and all that kind of thing and, and uh, learn about genres. You know, we don't, it doesn't mean we don't learn about those things. Like some people, liberal theology, for example, they say, well, Genesis is, 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 um, is, is uh, poetry. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm sorry, but Matthew and Luke used the geologies as literal from Adam to Jesus. And um, Paul in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 5, he says that um, sin entered through one man, Adam. This is not, this is not nice creation, apocalyptic literature uh-huh. that, that's yeah. on the same level as like the, you know, the, the, um, you know, the Gilgamesh and whatever else other crap. Is right. There. Yeah. Um, this is, this is literally God meant that, that the genealogy is real because sin, sin entered through one man who was created in God's image. So we can't, we can't even, no matter what we think about the timeline of creation, we can't even match, um, things like, uh, um, uh, evolution and you can't do it. It's just not possible. And mm-hmm. then, and still be, um, uh, uh, integrity to the scriptural interpretation. You just can't do it. Sorry. It's not, yeah. this is not me being, um, you know, people use things like fundamentalist or uber literal and stuff like that. All they are is just crappy words that people that want to justify yeah. <laughs> their theology or their sin use yeah. to level at the scriptures mm-hmm. when they have no understanding what they're talking about. Yeah. And they haven't listened to the Holy Spirit and let him interpret the scriptures. But um, so I'm not saying ignore all that sound stuff and get some teaching. I'm saying, or I don't, I don't, I don't think God's saying that either. I'm saying he's just saying. The best way to interpret scripture is to read it and then listen to my voice, listen to the Holy Spirit. Because mm. the foundation of biblical literacy is actually to read it. Most of the people I've experienced that are off their kilter theologically aren't reading the scripture and listening to the Holy Spirit. In fact, half the time they're not even reading the scripture. They're reading some of the scripture, but spending most of their time in extra biblical literature on, and extra dude. biblical arguments. Come on. And they've departed from the scripture and begin to argue about things that they don't understand. That's right. Hearts, sadly. And they've gone off into theologies and philosophies of men and departed from Christ. It's mm-hmm. really heartbreaking. And, and what they're doing is asking um, philosophical and theoretical questions about theologies that sometimes are short-sighted, like penal substitution atonement, which is correct but short-sighted. Um, or and so they're building on a foundation they don't understand, um, or they're just deceived by a spirit 
or enslaved to a desire that has become a part of their life again. It's yeah. not a part of who they are in Christ, and it's out yeah. to kill them. Yeah, um, and we got to understand. I, it. And I don't want to lose. I'm glad you said that. I I, I don't want to lose. Anytime I talk about stuff like this, I always try to re like reiterate that I still see these people as human beings that are precious in the sight of God. So I know because I've had conversations with people that have a, a, adopted liberal theology, it's rooted in a lot of it, it where Satan got in was through pain, serious yes. doubts, questions. Like, and I'm so sympathetic to that. Like that, like, and if I am God, God understands how it happened. He's not just, it's not being justified, but, but God sees that pain. And, and I always say to people, whether you have doubts, whether you sinned, whether you, uh, whether you're upset, wh whatever it is, run to him. Don't run away from him and try yeah. and find the answer. Run to him. If you're struggling with scripture, yeah. if you're like, I'm really, I'm really wrestling with this scripture, God. The, the solution is not ergo, I'm going to go away from God. It's God, I know that you're good. I know that you're loving. Show no. me. That's why Paul says like the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that a lot on this show. Yeah, come on. Huge deal. Uh, Ephesians 1.16, pray it a thousand times over yourselves. Ephesians 1.16, pray it yes. and pray it and pray it and pray it and pray yep. it. Because it's revelation doesn't come by your brain. It comes by the spirit. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so I also good. look at like to um, I was seeing this actually while you were while you were talking, realizing, um, you know, there's a lot of other like Gilgamesh and there's a lot of other um, uh, very ungodly texts. Um, and so they go, well, those are all mythology, too, or those are all um, poems, too. So the Bible is that, too. But that's right. that's what Satan did. That's the lie he wove is he created all these yeah. counterfeits to pollute everything and then said, see, look, yeah. the Bible is just one of those. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on your, um, you know, sharing about God's heart, like if you're on and listening and you're struggling with these things, or if, if you're like, you've, you've bit the lie on, on sin, some areas in your life, I want to tell you, he loves you and you can be free mm. and he will speak to you. Like he's so good. He knows exactly what your heart needs to hear. Um, you know, and don't let him, don't let me fill your head with offense either. Like I know some people that not just new believers or, or newish believers that have um, sort of been sold a lie about, about homosexuality or about any other sin for that matter. We just you know, pick on one thing, but any of those things, um, you know, living in you know, alcoholism and stuff like that. Uh, and then, and then people have kind of shut the door on revelation for you for freedom because they said, we don't want to be legalistic. Well, it's not about legalism. It's about freedom. Right. Um, but if you've, if you've bitten that lie, like, um, you know, um, but I've seen mature believers go off on rails because of offense, because they say, well, you know, the, the enemy will come in and say, well, you know, the church. Now, I never heard that we hear the word the church. I instantly know we're in trouble because there is no thing as the, the thing is the church. There are the people of Jesus Christ and there are individuals um, and there are administrative structures. But mm. you start using the word the church and you're already in error. Mm. Um, I know it smells like guilty is charged, <laughs> um, but it's, it's Definitely laced with it. poison because what he wants to do yeah. is say, well, they treated these people like that and they did this. There's mm -hmm. no, they, there's no, they, yeah, there's no such thing as a, they, there's only you and Jesus and individual people. Um, and the enemy's quite good at, at twisting things. He'll, 
he'll point out one person's behavior and say, well, the, the church, there's no the church, nothing. Um, the, the, the spirit-filled body of Christ has been excellent for the last 40 years at loving people who are either in um, way off situations or, or are misunderstood situations like homosexuality, um, like murder, like um, drug abuse, mm-hmm. and have gone into these dark places and loved on people. But the media yeah. and the devil, they have no interest in, in, in showing that part. They just sure. want to show the, the, the tiny 1% where, where yeah. um, it either has been nasty or it can be made to look like it's nasty, but actually it's not. And, yeah. uh, and wants to make your heart offended so that you stop listening to the wow. gospel, stop reading wow. the scripture, stop listening yeah. to the Holy Spirit, yep. and start going off shaking hands with thought processes yeah. that are there to deceive you and destroy you. That's why yeah. Hebrews says, um, be sure that none of you uh, have an evil, unbelieving heart, and that no root of bitterness comes and um, and defiles you, and then seeks to defile many because it'll spread. Because if you're bitter in your heart, you'll talk about it, and it'll come with a vomit of surrounding philosophies and information that the enemy will feed you to try and suck other people into that space with you. Wow. Yeah. See, and you're still- now you're hitting on the the church the church hurt um how do me or this call group of people or this i don't even want to call it a, a movement you know but it's just definitely something that something that satan is really using right now where it's like this one person or this group of people hurt you yeah. therefore all are when it's an isolated case yeah. um yeah i i'm so glad you said that i mean the church is the, the body of Christ has done a lot, a, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good. And yeah, you're right. The, the media, arts and entertainment, they don't, they don't really want to show that. They don't care to show that. Of course not. It's the spirit uh, of Antichrist. It is the spirit yep, of the age. Like, yep. We're not going to like, I'm not going to point the victim flag up and be like, oh, it's the spirit of Antichrist. I mean, literally, it is the spirit of Antichrist. It's, its job is there to, to undermine the testimony of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is the word. Yeah. So back to my point. Um, Best way to interpret scripture, interpret scripture is to read it and listen to his voice and let him mm. speak to you. Yeah. And if you've got hurts and misunderstandings, go to him. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. Um, can I just give an example of one scripture I didn't understand? Yeah. That, um, the Holy Spirit really helped me on. Yeah, that'd be great. You know that scripture that says if you're Jesus said, Jesus, this is a great example because Jesus says some stuff that's hard to understand. And I think <laughs> you know, lots of the time he's actually inviting us into the new creation. But if you can't hear with the ears of the Holy Spirit, you won't have a clue what he's talking about. So he said, if your um hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Mm-hmm. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better mm-hmm. for you to enter into life with one hand than to um go throw it's thrown into the fire of hell. Um, and better go lame, better go blind, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've heard um, lots of teaching about this, but um, um, you know, people saying, you know, if there's something in your life that's causing you to stumble, get rid of it. They use it as a principle, and I get that, right? I get that stuff. That's that's a cool thought, and I'm sure it's from the Lord. Um, and they'll say that Jesus was using superlatives. Now, just so I be clear, I've said that before. A superlative is where you say something that is greater than what you really mean to emphasize it so it's like hyperbole it's hyperbole yeah yeah um and so um he's using hyperbole and so um the problem with the hyperbole is it literally is 
a false saying mm. because even though it, you know we say it's kind of metaphorical and 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 um abstract in our culture and i don't think anyone uses hyperbole to be deceptive in our culture right but but the literal language of hyperbole is to say something that you don't mean and i don't think that jesus would ever do that right so then you got a problem right this is a great inter- intersection for things like liberal theology and people that accuse re- people with revelation of the gospel of hyper literalism. So they'll be like, well, then is Jesus saying you literally have to cut your hand off and literally gouge your eye out, right? If we're not going to say it's hyperbole, then that's the only option we have left. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So roll with me for a second here. Yeah. So when you come to a scripture like that, you can either build buckets of theological framework around it to try and find a way around it. And things like saying, you know, I don't know what you could do there because really you end up back in hyperbole. Um, um, you say he's being metaphorical again, you're really in the realm of hyperbole mm-hmm. uh, and you're back at the not inter- literally, literally interpreting what he says. So at those junctures, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, say, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's assume for a second that Jesus is literally saying, if your hand causes you to sin, you have to cut it off. All right. And that's roll with me here. Let's just assume that he is being literal. So he says, you've got to cut your hand off and you've got to gouge your eye out if they cause you to sin, right? Are you with me? Uh, dude, I'm so okay. with you. Yeah. Right. So that asked I'm the here. Holy Spirit. I was like, I, I can't reconcile myself with all this other preaching. I, I get the principles are good, but it just doesn't seem to be interpreting what Jesus is saying for me because I don't think he would say something he doesn't mean. So help me, Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he said to me, can your hand cause you to sin? Can your eye cause you to sin? And I realized Jesus was being literal because your eye can't cause you to sin and your hand can't cause you to sin. Sin comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus removed when he saved you. Mm. I quoted the scripture from Ezekiel last week, last last time we met. But he says, um, I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit inside of you and cause you to walk in my statutes. It's the new covenant. Hmm. Jesus is inviting you into the new creation. He's inviting you into the new covenant. The problem with, I call it, you can call it intellectual moderacy, or you can call it being balanced, is that if we try to artificially balance the statements of Scripture, we run the risk of actually shutting the door to the revelation that's there hmm. or shutting, the, shutting ourselves out from the revelation that's there yeah. because what we can do is we can run to the altar of, of trying to explain, oh, surely God, God can't mean that. We run to that altar and we call it things like balance. We call it things like intellectual moderacy. Um, really, all you're doing is exalting this rather than actually letting the scriptures speak and then letting the Holy Spirit interpret it for us and letting yeah. him guide us and letting it be interpreted by other scripture. And um, that's, that's what it's there for. Um, if you want to understand the Old Testament, then use the New Testament as your lens because it will give you interpretation. Mm. And then vice versa, right? Uh, yes, I no. Know. I don't know about that. I think if you want to do the vice versa, then you have to do it properly. Okay. So I'll just quote Martin Luther on that. Okay. In the new is the old explained, and in the old is the new contained. Hmm. So I am growing in the conviction and growing in the revelation that the new covenant is in the Old Testament. Absolutely there. 
among other things. Uh, uh, so the new covenant, the righteousness of faith, what it means to endure through persecution with an eternal mm-hmm. perspective, um, the reality that Jesus, even his second coming, and the hope of it um, is there. And then the New Testament can explain and show you how it's there and how to read it. There are scriptures that, uh, this is the, one of the problems, or not problems, the shortcomings of a lot of the way that scriptural interpretation is taught um, at the moment. And it's it's really hard to get beyond this. I'm not having a dig at anyone. It's actually excellent. Some of the people I, I've read, like um, uh, um, uh, Grasping God's Word by Deval and Hayes, is probably a great place to go. Um, some of these amazing um, uh, guys, uh, many of them Baptist uh, guys, really awesome, especially Spiritual Baptist, um, at this, about the shortcoming of these beautiful sound interpretive principles is they have a really struggle time with um, scriptures, especially prophecy in the Old Testament, where you say things like, well, we need to know what it meant to the original audience so that we can know what it can't mean to us. Uh, yeah. Except that some of the scriptures are not written to their original audience. Now you say, well, that's wait, 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 wait. That's not to say interpretation. Yes, it is. Because in, uh, I can't remember, it's uh, John or Peter, but he says that um, that the prophets it inquired earnestly about the revelation of Christ that was for us, and they realized that the Holy Spirit wasn't speaking of them, but was speaking of us and of the Christ. Dude. <laughs> you're gonna let scripture interpret scripture i'll yeah. give you one example um it's uh, quoted in um hebrews but it's hosea um actually in front of me i feel like i can't find anything today um it's all coming from the heart dude come on it's like it's good oh, where are you this is like big brain stuff dude i'm i like this is good this is i'm i'm yeah this is great uh hosea says why can't I find you? Thank you, Lord. Um, you know, it says this is lots of people know this scripture, right? It's um the the, the, the vision, um write the vision down so that he who um who, who reads it may run. Um for though um the vision tarries, yet it will not tarry. Yes, that's um or 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 some other translation says um uh uh wait for it because though it though it delays, it will not it will not delay. Let me just find it, eh? Yeah. It's right there in my notes, and I couldn't find it. Um, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now it was founded in Hebrews. Thank you, <laughs> Holy Spirit. Because come on, because in the, in the new is the old contains, right? Yeah. Uh, oh man, I was way off. Habakkuk chapter two. Sorry. And well, it was in the back. Bible, so ah, there you go. So <laughs> you got it. So Habakkuk chapter two. This is just amazing, right? Um, good example of the scripture not being clear to its original audience, but for us, there's a revelation of it. Um, and it says Habakkuk what? Habakkuk chapter two, verses um, two, three, and four. Three and four. It's um, quoted in Hebrews. It says this. So then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. 
for the vision is yet for an appointed time, for the appointed time, excuse me. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith or by faith. Yeah? Mm -hmm. That's actually the gospel, by the way. But wait for it. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. Mm. Okay, give, give it a second. In the Septuagint, which is a Greek Old Testament, and the way it's quoted in Hebrews, it doesn't say for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Um, it hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. It says he will come. He will certainly not delay. Okay. It's talking about having endurance in the face of persecution because Jesus promises that he will come at the appointed time. But mm. my righteous will live by faith. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We've to that. trusted in Jesus Christ and he will come. It's part of the gospel. That's why it says in latter days, men will come along saying, hey, where is the promise of his coming? Because everything continues like it has for since the days of our fathers. Right, so we might as well just stay in sin because who cares? There's no warning to this. Um, and um, they say, like, where's the promise of his coming? But he says, hey, for God, one year is as a thousand, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. He's not slow in his promise, right? Though it tarries, but he's patient towards you, mm. not wanting any to perish, but for all men to come to repentance. It's his mercy that's the reason why he hasn't come back yet, because he wants people to be saved. It's there in the scriptures, but there's no way that could have meant that to its original audience, the Habakkuk. Mm. So you need the Dude. Holy Spirit's help, and you need the help of the New Testament. So as you say, well, the Holy Spirit could tell me anything about the Old Testament. No, 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 you've got a lens already. You've got a plumb line. It's the New Testament. It shows yeah. you how to interpret these scriptures so that you have a plumb line to cling to. Wow. Dude. Dude. All right. I want to hit this point because um, I know if I if anyone else is feeling the way I am, where I'm like, this is so amazing, and I this is a lot to chew on, which is good. That's what I wanted. I want people to have like feel borderline overwhelmed by the amount of information because it means there's <laughs> enough there for you to grab and to 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 chew on and you can watch this again and you can or you can listen to it if you listen to it on the podcast um but there's a point you had in your notes highlight slash release the life and power of the word okay yes. i want to i want to leave people with that that's so good because i actually looked at my notes on the wall and the lord said exactly that to me oh um right on man <sighs> thank you lord you know, you asked me earlier, um, how how then should we read the law? Yeah. And um, I don't, it sounds like a tangent, but it's not. If we start compartmentalizing the word of God, we're going to end up in trouble. Mm. But his word yeah. is his word is his word. So take your, you know, um, oh, oh, hang on, but I'm not under the law. Am I under the law? Lens off, right? Because God spoke to Moses and he spoke to Abraham and he spoke to um, Enoch and he spoke to 
um, Adam and Eve, like he spoke, he spoke, he spoke. And my word is my word is my word. So take that lens off because it's nothing more than a construct. And just listen, read the word and let him speak to you. Read the Torah, read, read the first five books of the Bible. Let him speak to you. That's why David prays it in Psalm 119. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your Torah. Mm. Let the Holy Spirit open your eyes and use the New Testament as your guide. But so you don't fall off into weirdness, right? It, 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 it's your guide. So read the New Testament. Let it be your guide. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's not the word of God. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It is the word of God. It even says that. It says, um, you know, that untaught men twist the scriptures as they do with the rest of the scriptures, even Paul's letters. So it refers to Paul's letters as scripture. Um, but um, but let it be your, your, let the New Testament be your lens rather than your so-called theology and its constructs. And let the word just speak. Let him speak to you. It is the inspired word of God. It says it's it's uh, profitable for training in righteousness and for instruction. Jesus said, the word, my words are spirit and our life. And he is the word. He is the word. So it's, his, it's him. It's him. Let him speak. Just let it feed you. It's, it's spirit and life. Let it feed your soul and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Ask him questions and be patient. He answers me a lot more quickly these days, but he used to answer me with great like did it take a while? Um, when I often I ask him, quote unquote, theological, they're really words, of, questions about his word, right? And he he'll answer me often quite quickly. But oftentimes, when you ask him a question, you don't actually have the framework to understand the answer. So he may take you on a journey first to change a lot of your preconceptions and give you other revelations so that you can understand. Mm. But just read it, just yeah. read it, and let it be spirit life. Read it with faith. Mm. Um, uh, with Smith Wigglesworth, he was kind of um, being a bit cheeky, but he said um, some people read it in Greek, some people read it in Hebrew, but I read it in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, we don't sell out great literary, um, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, biblical um, sound principles and stuff that we learn and lots of the stuff, but but. Um, but we got to let the Holy Spirit lead us through it. Just let it feed you, man. It's so mm. rich. I'm reading a guy named um, G.C. Bevington at the moment, and he calls the scripture, um, the Bible, God's great gold mine. Just mine it. It's life. It's spirit and life to you. It will be. It will change your life. Um, just read it. Let, it. let it speak to you. Pray those prayers like David prayed. Open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your law. He will open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Psalm 119. I don't know the exact verse off the top of my head. Um, it's Psalm 119, along with um, along with episode 119 is a massive episode. Um, I think we're at hour 45 already. Um, Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and a hammer which shatters a rock? Just reading the word can change your life, and it will. I know of 700 guys who are former heroin and ice addicts in a communist Asian country right now who have been under a pastor who has a live-in program where he just takes these guys into these homes and all they do is read a Bible regimen and pray and worship together. They don't, there's no like program or teaching and there are 700 guys who are absolutely set free and wow. most of them are in ministry now. It is, wow. it is in their, their success rate of ongoing freedom is in the high 90%. That's so cool. For this quote unquote detox program, um, uh, rehab program. And yet, 
the opposite is true for virtually every non-Bible-based um, uh, rehab program in the country. It's in the low single digits of success rate. Mm. Um, and he's having the opposite, like just from reading the word. Come on, uh, a friend of mine who, read a, who met a guy in a supermarket here in Australia who had moved here from India, he found a Bible in India and just read it. And was utterly transformed, but I don't think he was quite like entered into like the fullness of being born again. And he prayed, God, if this is true, send me somebody. He met this guy in a supermarket and he had a word of knowledge. He went up to him and said, hey, the Lord just wants you to know that everything you've read in the Bible is true. What? He's born again on the spot. Come on. Um, started praying for healing. Um, this is the power of the word. Uh, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day and he said he's got a, a, another uh, he was listening to a, a, a Baptist pastor here in Australia who was teaching on discipleship, and he said one of their quote-unquote evangelism tools, and it really it's discipleship and evangelism, like it's one, as they kind of should be. Um, and uh, I say kind of because evangelism has entry points that aren't discipleship, but it still needs to be discipleship in the end. Um, and he said their, their current strategy at the moment is that they just say, hey, I'm looking for somebody to read the Bible with. And he said they've had over 70% success rate in people not only making a decision for Christ but actually continuing because of the word. The word is changing people. Mm. I know so many people just read it and been saved because they just ask, hey, God, is this you? Is it true? Boom. It's the wow, power of the man. word. It's getting in you. Love it. Pray about it. Let it change you. Declare it over your life. So the problem with liberal theology is it's forgotten the power of the word of God. And so God's language is promise. Just let that sit for a mm. second. Show me that one day. He said, my language is promise. Oh, that's good. Uh, the enemy's language is doubt. What if, et cetera, et cetera. But God's language is promise, among other things, he's a liar. Um, but God's language is promise. Wow, that's... But, but, it, you don't need to understand a ton of stuff about that. You just need to believe it. And then, mm. boom, you get the promise. Um, and so when you enter in, and the word itself imparts faith. It's like... Um, uh, there's this meal that you can buy. It's called a French dip, right? Mm-hmm. Some of you, some parts of America have it, some don't. I've noticed, yeah, we know what it is. Even way over here. Yeah, we know what it is. Yeah, glory. So you've got, you know, your, your French roll and it's got the, um, the, the meat inside of it. Yeah. But, um, but you've got also got the jus or the juice, the meat juice on the side. It's like a gravy that's not thickened. And, um, you know, you break off your thing and you dip it in there and you eat it, right? God showed me this picture. He said, um, you know, when you mix the word with faith, what happens is this. The, my word is like a French dip. Hmm. I give you it and it has faith on the side in, as part of the deal. So I give you the French dip. I give you the word, right? Say, let's take um, uh, was it, uh, Philippians uh, 4.19, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, right? You hear that promise. It's like a French dip. You've got the promise and you've got the gravy, the faith on the side. And he says, hey, if you'll take the faith that's included in my word and dip it in and mix it with faith, it will produce. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but then the word of God has to be mixed with faith. So how is it that you get one and not the other or both at the same time? How How is that? Well, I think it comes with the word and it's your job mm. to mix the two together. Yeah, It's like epoxy resin, man. You buy both at once, but you have to you mix, mix them together, together and it's just like unbreakable. Yeah. Boom. So, yeah. When you hear the word, it actually imparts faith. I'll meditate on something and, and, and read it and read promises about it over and over again until I know that I've broken through in faith. That's the realm we live in. 
my righteous shall live by faith. Live in that realm and you'll live with God and power and you'll see miracles and you'll be led and you'll have an amazing life and sin won't even be the thought at the foremost of your mind. Mm. You'll be living a holy life. And even if you do stumble, you'll have the word there to say, hey, sin shall not be master over me because I'm not under the law but under grace. Sin shall not be master over me because I'm not in the flesh but I'm in the spirit. You know, um, having been set free from sin, I became a slave of righteousness. You know, confess that and as faith arises, you'll see that that intruder will be booted out of your life yeah. because it's not oh, who you are good. anymore. So good. Whew, dude. <laughs> yes. Okay, Constant, I would love for you to pray for, for the people because there's we're just going to kind of seal seal the deal here. Yeah. Because uh, I... Um, this is this is really good, man. Praise God. Mm. Let's pray Isaiah fifty-five eleven. This my word will not return to me void, <laughs> but in fact, it doesn't say it will prosper. It says it won't return to me without accomplishing what I intended it to do and prospering the thing to which I had sent it. So that we pray that your word will not return void for our people, Lord. We thank you for the grace of God that's appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Thank you, Lord, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. We thank you, Lord God, that having died to sin, we now live to righteousness. We thank you, Lord, that we are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world by lust. We thank you that we have died to sin, Lord God. We died with you, Christ, and now we're slaves unto righteousness. We thank you, Lord, that we live by the Spirit and we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We've been set free. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Your word is a fire. Lord God, that goes forth, Lord God, and burns things up. Lord, we thank you that it's a hammer that smashes the rocks. Right now we release freedom over people. Freedom, Lord, we declare over them. They're not defined by the temptations they face, Lord. Uh, we declare, Lord God, they're from the enemy. They don't define the person. They're not them, Lord God. We declare, Lord God, people freedom. We declare that those that think they are unloved or are born a certain way or are trapped, Lord, we declare that they are loved by God and that the Holy Spirit is with you to free you right now in the name of Jesus. He will yes. walk with you. And Lord, we declare that people are not under the law. They're not under a sin consciousness, but they live in a, with a free conscience before the Lord, a, a clear conscience, Lord God, in righteousness and in relationship, looking the Lord in the face and walking in holiness. Lord, we declare over them, Lord God, healing, Lord God, that your, your word will not return void for healing, Lord God, that surely you bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases, Father. Thank you, God that we are born again of incorruptible seed, which is a living and enduring word of God. Father, thank you. Let it land, Lord God. Let people know the truth of the gospel. Give them understanding, especially of explanations of the gospel, like Romans and Hebrews and Galatians and Ephesians, Lord God, so they can look at the rest of the, of the Bible and see you, Jesus. You said, Jesus, you said that to the Pharisees, you said you search the scriptures because you think in them there's eternal life, but they speak about me. So, Lord, may they find you, Jesus, in every word of your, your truth, every word of your scripture, every word, every letter. We thank you, Lord, that the whole Bible is, in, is the plenary, verbally inspired word of God. In Jesus' name, we ask for a revival, Lord God, of, of the power and authority of your word. In the hearts of people, we thank you that's happening already. We thank you that's happened in the past. It will happen again, that it's a root a root, and, and a fruit of revival and it's a root and a fruit of awakening 
We thank you, Lord, no matter what the enemy's screaming in secular realms, we thank you for a revival of the word in seminaries, in Bible schools, in discipleship schools, Lord, in healing schools, in streams everywhere, Lord God, that even there'd be a theological rebellion in places where liberalness and unbelief mm. and, and, and sickness has entered into, Lord God, yeah. in the name of Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Whew, man, we went to the uh, we went to the fancy steakhouse today, Costin. We went <laughs> to the on. fancy steakhouse. We had the Wagyu uh, Kobe beef. You know, yes, we had the best of the best. We might have to do that literally one day too, Jeff. Uh, yes, we will. <laughs> I think we should. Praise the Lord. So, Costin, seriously, thank you so much, man. Uh, like, I just. Yeah, that was like a perfect, perfect uh, end to the week, uh, kicking off the weekend for people. Um, man, yes, I would say my typical spiel is, how can people follow you? But people can't follow you yet. We'll figure, we'll figure something out. We'll figure there. something out. But I will say, in the description, just a reminder again, if you're like, whoa, dude, um, you got to check out the first uh interview that we did with you uh which is it's titled the new you it's all about identity and it's the same meaty just like they're just dense um and because i love that you just you teach straight from the scriptures love that um and i uh yeah so go check that out people you can if you're listening to this you can listen to that uh it is episode hold on episode oh i don't remember i didn't write it down it doesn't matter, but you the also, li link is in the description. Yeah, You'll see you it. You can YouTube me as well. You can YouTube Carsten Woodhouse. Oh, okay, cool. On YouTube. I've got about six or eight um, teachings up there. They're um, definitely not as dense as this. So I'll give you better. If you want to talk about identity and stuff like that, they'll really give you something a little more, um, not trying to eat the whole, you know, five pound rump in one yeah. sitting <laughs> and get your name on the wall on the dollar bill. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So they'll give you some pathways to be able to grasp this because I know people will be listening and be like, oh, I believe it. I want to believe it, but it's just so much. I think these will mm -hmm. give you some bridges to that. So I'm definitely there. Definitely, but just just, um, just get on YouTube and, and uh, uh, Google uh, uh, search my name, uh, Carsten Woodhouse, and uh, you'll find some teaching there. Yeah, there you go, everybody. So um, that's our show. Uh, have an amazing weekend. Thanks for sticking out with us all five days for those of you that did. Wow, come on. Um, and we're going to do it again tomorrow and the week after that, the week after that, until we don't. Uh, it's going to be a party five days a week. So um, everybody have a blessed weekend. Join us on Monday. We've got Jennifer Martin back. Uh, a bunch of people went, woo. Uh, so uh, she's, she's back. She's been doing a lot of revival uh, stuff deliverance stuff she ran some schools so she's gonna be talking about testimonies regarding that other stuff it's gonna be a great great episode also a reminder there's a donation link at the end elijahfire.com slash donate and uh, we just really appreciate any and all donations in regards to that it takes a lot of resources to keep this thing free especially five days a week free yeah. uh so um any any and all help in that regard we really really appreciate you guys so have an amazing, amazing weekend. We bless you. And we will see you on Monday with Jennifer Martin at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. God bless you guys. Bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. 
For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.